You ready for the word? Amen. Are you blessed and highly favored? Amen. Are you blessed and highly favored? Amen. Amen. Stand with me as we read the scripture today. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. Anybody like the whole Bible? Like the Old Testament and the New Testament? Or the New Testament and the Old Testament? I love it. So this is the word of the Lord. Um, it's pretty powerful. Anybody believe God is still the same? Anybody believe this? So read with me. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trowel will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. You receive the word today. Father, we thank you for the word that you've given us. We receive your blessings now in the name of Christ. Bless your servant now as I speak this word and bless our ears that we would receive and we rebuke the enemy and all of his confusion, that we would be able to confidently receive your word and be transformed by the word and receive your blessings. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Uh, blessed and highly favored. So I'm going to say it again. You're blessed and highly favored. So it almost is going to seem like the messages are redundant, but they're not. Every week, I believe the messages have been very pointed regarding blessing. And uh, today I'm going to teach from this topic, your blessed life. And I want you to look at Psalm 66 and 12. We went through fire and flood but you brought us to a place of great abundance. You want to read? Come on, read that. We went through fire and flood, but you brought us to a place of great abundance. Fire and flood. In other words, the two extremes. We've been to both extremes. Anybody been through a fire? Anybody been through a flood? I'm not saying necessarily that your house burnt down, but perhaps your house did burn down. You know what I'm saying? Those kinds of conflicts. You've been through the fire. You've been through the flood. But here's the word of the Lord. He brings us to a place of abundance. I've been through it. Some of you are going through it. We're, we're talking about Mary and I've told you, you know, it's time to put the tree up. Don't play with me. I might decorate this weekend. All right. I, I don't know. I just, I just kind of get that. Hallelujah. My next door neighbor, uh, uh, he, they, they put their, I mean, it looks like the Griswolds just moved in next door. Okay. And uh, I'm good with that. I'm good. I think we ought to have more lights this year than we've ever had before. Just light up the world. Amen. So we're talking though, during this time, it's, it's a Christmas, it's Thanksgiving season and Christmas. And in this, we have Mary who the angel comes and appears and says, Gabriel says, he, he says, you're highly favored, you're blessed. And Mary is troubled. Now here's what has to happen, and you're experiencing this. You're dealing with the balance of blessing and fear. I'm blessed and I'm worried at the same time. Anybody want to lift up both hands and say, you've been there before? It's like, I know I'm blessed, but I don't know what's going to happen next. So 
we can relate because we all experience times of loss. We all experience situations when it seems as though we've been robbed. Sometimes it's because of wounds that have been inflicted into our lives, inflicted by others. Everything did not happen to you because of you. Some of the things happened because somebody wounded you. Someone hurt you. Someone abandoned you. It was a relationship. It was a husband. It was a wife or even a friend. Maybe it was someone in the church. You know, as a pastor, you know, I, I talk to people all the time who've come here and they say, well, you know, what's going on? They'll say, well, you know, I had church hurt before and I immediately want to re- apologize to them uh, because I know that sometimes a pastor can hurt you somewhere else And then you can bring that hurt right here and expect the same hurt because you've never uh, uh, reconciled in that area. But also, uh, pastors can also get hurt. Did you know that? I happen to be one. I mean, a pastor can get hurt. It's amazing how much you can be loved by somebody and they will drop you like a bad habit. I mean, it's like, no, I wish it was like a bad habit because bad habits, you don't drop so well. I'm saying just boom. I mean, one day I say one thing, wear the wrong clothes, use the wrong word, have the wrong look. I mean, if I have to be careful or I will become overly self-conscious because, listen, I am not your superstar. Come on. I am just a guy that happens to be the senior pastor of this local community, right? I'm a guy just like you. And I get upset and irritated on occasion. I have to ask forgiveness. You didn't know that, right? I think in my early years of pastor, that was always amazing how, you know, one day, you know, you just be working and praying and loving somebody. And then you get a, and these days it's like a text or no text at all. They're just gone. I go, where are you? Well, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I didn't like this. So I left, but you know, we prayed when your baby was about to die and the Lord raised up your child and you know, just one little thing. Somebody walked in the door with a funny face and you just left. Yeah, because people are wounded and their wounds erupt and it it can be you or anybody else can trigger it. Just another mother because they had a mother wound or another father because they had a father wound or, or somebody that looks like the individual that abused them. Folks, I want you to know that no matter what has happened in your life, you are blessed. I don't know. Sometimes it's your own bad choices. Hello, your own bad choices. Anybody bad choices? Come on, how many? Say, I don't have any regrets. Now you're just a liar, okay? Just things have happened in your life that you wished you had not done. Choices that you made that you should not have made. Some, uh, some people are still defending themselves for crazy sin that they participated in. Well, I did it because of this. No, you did it because you did it, all right? And the best way to manage it is to repent and ask God to forgive you, right? Bad choices. Then, you know, you might say, well, it was, you know, it was my family because, you, you know, your, your family was broken as a child. And folks, that can hurt. How many know family brokenness perpetuates family brokenness? Anybody know that? You understand that? Husbands, wives, you need to get it together. <laughs> a few amens there. It was good. It was a great opportunity to say amen. But, but the, the bad choices, you know, sometimes without even knowing it, you will develop bad habits, anger issues, addictions, 
or simply an attitude of destruction. You don't even know where it came from. Uh, if you let the Holy Spirit reveal it to you. Uh, I also have noticed this, that out of that, out of offense, we are in an offended culture right now. Our culture is offended. In fact, we celebrate offense in our culture like nobody else. Offense is okay. If somebody says something, then you are allowed to walk in offense no matter what the Bible says. Yeah, that was sarcasm. Okay, yeah. We're not allowed to walk in offense, but, but sometimes, you know, out of what has happened in our life, we end up offended. We're angry, and we don't even know what we're angry at. And sometimes life just seems to happen. Like, you didn't ask for a pandemic, right? You didn't ask to lose your job. You didn't ask to be quarantined. We didn't ask for the injury. You didn't ask for the crisis. Or perhaps you developed a sickness and you're like, God, why, why am I dealing with this sickness? You have a diagnosis. And the result of that brokenness, the result of broken dreams can leave you hopeless. But can I tell you this morning, whatever your situation, I talk to people every day that are desperate for change. Sometimes the problem is bigger because you've lost your hope. If you had hope with the problem, you could see the light on the other side. But when hope is gone, suddenly the problem is insurmountable. The expert expectations for things to get better just aren't there anymore. And the voice in your head, say it, the voice in my head, say it, the voice in my head. The voice in my head says, this is as good as it's ever going to be. It is what it is. And you live with these regrets. So come on. If only I would have stayed. If only I would have left. If only I would have finished my education. If only I would have quit that school. If only I would have stayed in the military. If I would have just gotten out of the military. You see, sometimes that defeated mindset will keep you from God's best. When you go through crisis, it seems to be our human nature to just Lose all hope and expectation. And we sing the song, it is what it is. Nothing will ever change. It's bad and it's always going to be bad. But I have some good news for you. I've been teaching this over and over. Our God is a good God. I said, God is good. I said, God is good. And all the time, I said, God is good. You are blessed and... I said, you're blessed and highly favored. And as broken as you are, because of God's word, because of the work of the cross, you should expect restoration. The first thing the angel said to Mary was, you are blessed and highly favored. Because if she was going to get through the season that was ahead of her, she needed to have a blessed mentality. That's why, the, that's why the angel started with, you're blessed and highly favored. He didn't end with it. He started with blessing her and tell her, telling her that she was favored. She needed to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that whatever she faced, she was blessed and favored. And we've changed the way we talk in the last few weeks. I've taught these things that we believe and we've changed our language about God being good. And now I'm telling you that 
This goodness impacts your life, not just by houses and cars, but his goodness impacts the way you think and then the way you speak. I want to change your words today. I want to change your mind, but I want to also change your declarations. And I want you not only to write these words down in your notes as main points of the message, I want you to repeat them with me and declare some words of the Lord. And my first statement is this. I accept God's word for my life. No, you got to say it. I accept God's word for my life. Say it. I accept God's word for my life. So Mary finally, this is the conclusion of her conversation with the angel. He says, or Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her because the angel had accomplished what he intended to do. Do you see that? First of all, say the word behold. Behold. That's not a word we use too often, is it? Behold. You know, you don't, you know, somebody doesn't walk in your house and say, behold, Johnny Bradley. You don't, you don't do that. You don't announce people that way. Who is this? Behold, it is Pastor Rick. They think you're nuts. But Mary announces herself to the angel and says, ta-da, here I am, behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Do you see the transition? She went from hearing blessed and highly favored, and she was troubled about what his words were. And then he began to speak to her about how the Holy Spirit would come upon her and the glory of God would come upon her and that she would be pregnant of the Holy Spirit because the child inside of her would be the son of God. And she's still struggling with trouble, but she's receiving his word. And then he says, and guess what? Your cousin Elizabeth, who was barren, who is up in age, that you haven't seen in a long time. She is already with child and you can go and find that to be true and all of the truth of God begins to flood her and it gets her to this point and she says, Behold, Mary is in the house. Behold, the maid servant of the Lord. You might say, well, that's fine for a woman like that. She was 15 years old. You don't have to be 50 or 60 or 70 to be troubled or to need God's word. Can I talk to some teenagers in the house right now? Can I tell you that you need to embrace the word of God? You need to hear and embrace it. Some of you have been to see me before and you've probably heard me say this. I've I've said it before when you know we'll get to counseling and I'll pause and I'll say look just so you know I'm a really lousy counselor and I'll qualify myself that way and one of the reasons I qualified myself that way is because I'm a different kind of pastoral counselor I guess probably other pastors do it but I am not I'm, I'm not your psychologist I'm not your psychiatrist I'm a pastor who's talking to you and listening to you. Does that make, you hear what I'm saying? So I might say something like this. I'm a really lousy counselor. I'm more of a preacher. In other words, you might have to listen to me if you're coming. 
You might have to hear what I have to say about your situation. And also, I, I actually struggle sometimes before I meet with people. On occasion, I'll struggle. And the reason I struggle is because I have a burden for the individual that's about to come and see me. And I don't want them just to feel a little bit, little bit better after we talk. I want them to be delivered. I don't want them to hear some words. I want them to have revelation so that they can overcome some of the struggle. So out of that, I don't always take the the, the typical counseling 45 minutes, like perhaps I should. Uh, but sometimes we might stay there a while. And then, uh, anybody been there with me before? And I look at my watch and oh, I know we've been here for a couple hours, but, but uh, Diana will text me and say, honey, you got another appointment in just a few minutes. You're going to have to wrap this thing up. But, but I want to see revelation. And I'm going to say, I feel good with Gabriel because Gabriel's not a good counselor, evidently. He is a messenger angel. I come with a word from the Lord to you. He had a message of hope for the world, and he had a message of hope for Mary. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. You got my attention now, but you've also stirred up some trouble inside of me. Gabriel spends the rest of the afternoon trying to change her mentality from troubled to blessed because he tells her she's blessed and she immediately moves into trouble. That's what some of you are doing right now. I'm telling you that you're blessed and your trouble is echoing in your mind right now. It's almost like the devil sat down next to you and is beginning to tell you why you should not listen to what Pastor Rick has to say today because if he knew the mess that you were in, come on, I've been through some mess of my own. You've been through some mess. We've all been through it, but God has never failed me. He has never left me in the swamp. He always rescues me. So say it with me. Come on. I accept God's word for my life. I accept God's word for my life. Say it to the Lord. Do what you want to do with my life. I trust you. Every breath that I have belongs to you. So Mary says these words to Gabriel, but some of you are still struggling because you need a word. You need a word this morning. I need to give you a word that'll transition you from defeated to victorious. One of those words, I love Joel 2.25, where the Lord says, I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. I will restore. And we, we know the word restore. Somebody say restore. Say restore. I will restore the years. What? Because sometimes struggles don't last for a day. People say, you know, at the beginning of this pandemic, we just want this pandemic to be over. I can't wait till 2021. And we're almost there. And uh, every morning I still get up and there is a coronavirus count. I, that's what I want to read the first time I get up in the morning. I want to see my coronavirus count. And uh, I'm concerned. I want people to be healed and I want the nations to be set free. Amen. Amen? But, you know, you hear that and you just feel like, okay, should I walk out the door? Should I breathe? I mean, how many masks do I need? You know, what exactly should I do? But I like the word restore and I like the word years because what he says, 
Those things that you feel like you have, have robbed you. Those things that have been stolen from you. Those things that have been devoured uh, uh, by difficult seasons that have come across the nations. He says, I'm going to restore the years, the years that you have lost. Some people say, you can't restore years. God says, I can restore years. Praise Jesus. So the word restore, little word study, the word restore, there are different words that are often defined as restored in the Old Testament. I I like to search them out deeply because sometimes it doesn't mean what it means at other times because of the Hebrew word. But this Hebrew word is the word shalom. Shalom. Say it. Shalom. Shalom. I like that. Sounds like shalom, but it's not. It's peace, but it is powerful. Shalom. Now, in my word study on it, I was... uh, Anybody ever Google words? You ever Google that? Problem with Google... Uh, don't get me started, but one of the problems is, is that it doesn't do a verbatim search unless you tell it to do a verbatim search. So I did my initial search without it being a verbatim search because I was looking for what people might have to say that I did not already have in my study. And it came upon uh, uh, the Urban Dictionary. Anybody ever seen the Urban Dictionary? Anybody seen that? Urban Dictionary, anybody know what I'm talking about? If you know what I'm talking about, just so I see how much, nobody else knows what I'm talking about. If you do, wave at me, so most of you do, okay. Urban Dictionary are words that are not necessarily in the dictionary, but that people use, okay. So when I say shalom, I'm not saying shalom, which means peace, but neither am I using the word that's in the Urban Dictionary, which is like shalam. It is it's almost a bad word, all right? It's, it's like you have heard all you're taking from somebody, and so you give them a piece of your mind, and then you just finish it with a shalam. I'm done with you. Stay out of my face. Get out of my life. Get your bad self. Don't make me push you. Don't make me say what I want to say right now. Anybody ever shalam somebody before? Anybody ever done that? You don't want to confess right now. Jesus already forgiven you of it. It's interesting, you know, because the, the Hebrew word is similar to that. I kind of to a point like that. Now, the word restored is nothing missing, nothing broken, total completeness. Say those words with me. Nothing missing, nothing broken, total completeness. Say it again. Nothing missing, nothing broken, total completeness. And you're struggling with that because you say, I can't get this back. I can't get that back. And I'm saying God will transition you to a place of nothing missing, nothing broken, and completeness. He has the ability to do that. It means to increase, to improve, to promote, to make better. But, but I need to say this word because I'm talking about your mind. I'm talking about your mentality. Now, here's the problem with mentality. Because I will speak God's word, but I've got ruts in my brain. Anybody got ruts in your brain? 
Your brain is, it's, 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 it's ruts is basically what it is. In fact, I believe that you could study that scientifically. You got any neurologists that know what I'm saying? That literally, as you think a particular way, you end up with this path in your brain. You always think this particular way. And somebody can tell you something else, but you don't get it because you're in a rut. You're in a rut. And the enemy will leverage your ruts against you. He will do it. He will remind you of the way that you thought all of your life. He will remind you. He'll whisper in your ear. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Whisper in your ear. Something will happen. Anybody have triggers? Anybody got some triggers? I mean, I don't let anybody talk to me like that. And you're ready when really you should put your hands down and forgive somebody. But the enemy triggers the ruts that are in your brain because of an assault that happened early in your life. I let nobody like you come into my when you need to realize that God might have brought somebody into your presence so you could speak love and peace to them. But no, no, the enemy is telling you, 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 you cannot participate. You cannot let this individual walk away from your presence without removing at least two of their teeth. Sometimes the enemy just gets me angry. Anybody else? Anybody get frustrated on occasion? Anybody want to throw something or punch a wall? Anybody? Come on. Anybody like that? I haven't punched a wall in years and years and years and years, but it has happened in my past. Can I get an amen? Where Anybody? I mean, just want to take something and just throw it, you know, and then you broke something. Anybody? Anybody in the house? The enemy just kind of leverages those things, and you're at a place that you do not need to be. But if we could just begin to recognize the lying, sneaky voice of of the devil. Anybody know what I'm telling? Slewfoot, who shows up, Lucifer shows up, one of his demons, and whispers something in my ear. And I would look over at him and I would say, Salam, I'm done with you. You're, you're getting the wrong people out of your presence. We need to rebuke the devil and watch him flee from us. We got to stop thinking like the enemy. Take that, devil. I want my shalom. Anybody else? I want that. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 reads this way. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray, God, that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. He didn't just call you. He said, I, I want you to be preserved and I will do the sanctifying work inside of you if you'll let me do it. Say this to me. Be it unto me. Say it to the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. Say it. Be it unto me according to your word. Good people sometimes get attacked. Good people sometimes have crisis in their lives. Can I get an amen from somebody? That's, how about a yeah, that's me. Anybody got one of those? But God's word teaches us that God is a God of restoration. And that if we will keep trusting him, he will keep restoring us. And here's the great news. God will not only bring you out, he will bring you out better than you were before. I need to preach that. 
God will not just bring you out. He'll bring you out better than you were before. You need to embrace this. Don't settle just where you are. God is going to bring you out better. I love the Bible. I love the Bible from beginning to end. And the law, anybody love that? You read the Psalms where David's constantly singing these songs. They go like this. I love God and I love his law. I love his law in the morning. I love his law all day long. I mean, he's always singing like that. Just, I love the word of God and I love his law. I love his precepts. I celebrate his precepts. I love the wisdom of God. Wouldn't it be good if you loved God's law as much as you love your own? Wouldn't it be good if you love God's law? Now, here's the thing about God's law. It, in, in the Old Testament, you say, well, we don't live by the law. We live by grace. But then Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Right? So you need to know the commands of God. You need to stop kicking all the word of God to the side. Now, remember also when you read the law, it wasn't just the law of the life of the Christian. It was the law of a nation. It was laws. Rather than having Congress get together and come up with ideas... So that they can get all voted back in again. Because if I can say the right thing that tickles you and tickles you, then you'll say, yes, they're so wonderful. I just love them. Right? God says, I'll give you the law. And I'll even manage the struggles. Here, here's, I like this in Exodus 22. Read this. If a man delivers to his neighbor money or articles to keep, and it is stolen out of the man's house. If the thief is found, he shall pay double. Now, you might say, well, that's strange. How many think that would be cool? I mean, if the law was that if somebody stole from you, whoever stole had to come back and give you twice the amount that they stole. I would almost say, oh, come on, somebody rob me. It's better than any interest. You get 100% interest on the robbery. I mean, you're finding whoever did the thievery, right? So here's, here's what God says. Here's the heart of God. When you go through a broken time, when you go through difficulty, here's what God says. Not only do I want you to get back what you lost, I want you to get double for your trouble. What? I'm going through a battle right now. On the other side of it, I'm going to write a book about it. And not only am I going to be set free, but hundreds of people are going to be set free. God does not bring you out the same. Jesus. And I know restoration. You think, well, that's, that's tough. I understand. I re- when when uh, Diana was pregnant with Felicia, we were living in Fairborn, Ohio. We didn't have a lot of furniture or anything. And so we found this really old dresser. We were going to restore it. And we didn't know nothing about nothing. You know, we, had, we just heard you could restore it. There was no such thing as the internet. There was no such thing as Google. And, and I, we didn't find anybody. But somehow we went to a store and found some fluid that you could pour on this thing. And it would cause all the paint and other things to peel off of it. I can still see that piece of furniture sitting there in the room. And how bad that stuff stunk. And, and then it starts peeling. It just got uglier and uglier. So bad that we just got rid of it. We didn't even use it. Because we were not as invested 
interested in that piece of furniture as God is into you because sometimes when you go in trouble, it's like the old you is being peeled away. Anybody know what I'm saying? The, the old fears, the way that I've lived my life. Anybody been through some trouble and God made you better? Is there anybody that would testify to that? You've been through some mess and if it wasn't for God staying with it, you say, well, God's forgotten me. No, no. He's rubbing all the old paint off. He's moving all the old varnish because when you're finished, you're going to look brand new. You're going to be worth more than you were before. You're going to be more beautiful and you're going to have a testimony of God's goodness. Jesus. Jesus. But while I'm saying that, listen, listen, let me just add this to that point before I go on. Work on your restoration. You receive that? I need to work on my restoration. Work on my restoration. How do you do that? Get into God's word. Allow God's word to get in you. Rebuke the enemy. Find other individuals that will hold you accountable. When somebody's suffering, don't look at them and say, Oh, they're suffering. They'll get over it. No, no, no. When you're going under a load, we come around one another. We love one another. But work on it. Don't just crawl in a hole and, and, and act like the world is over. Come out of the hole and go ahead and say, bless the Lord. I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. I'm going through it. I'm hurting. I'm suffering right now. But I know this is just going to be a moment because weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I just know how much my God is. I know he didn't bring me to this so I would stay in it, but he brought me to it to take me through it. And then he'll restore me and make me better than I was before. Make this declaration. My restoration is, a po- is possible. Say it. My restoration is possible. Say it. My restoration is possible. Write it down. My restoration is possible because the struggle that Mary was having as soon as Gabriel started saying things, she started adding up the impossibilities. She started giving him all the reasons that it was not a possibility. Angel says, you're blessed and you're highly favored. You're going to give birth to a son. And uh, he's the Savior, the Messiah, Son of God. And Mary's saying, okay, Jesus, you know, going to give him the name Emmanuel. God is with us. And then impossibility slapped her in the face. And she started thinking all the reasons. How shall this be being that I do not know a man? How shall this be? And then the angel began to express some words. And they seem a little bit less than clear. A little ambiguous, right? How many have ever had God speak to you and you still didn't exactly understand the steps? Anybody been that way? Like, this is basically what God's saying. I'm going to do it. And you remember me preaching on unbelievable God? Anybody remember me preaching on unbelievable God? And I could tell you what I'm going to do, but you wouldn't even believe it if I told you. So I'm going to give you what you can handle right now. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The glory of the Lord will shine upon you. And and you will conceive a child in your womb. That child will be of the Holy Spirit. You don't need a man for what I'm going to do inside of you. And then he expressed what was going on with Elizabeth. Remember Liz? Remember Liz? Liz! Baron Liz! (laughs) 
Right now she's pregnant. You go visit her. You'll see it. And then he said this. For with God, nothing will be impossible. I said my restoration is possible. You see, God can even use the mistakes you've made. Get your, come on. Get your hopes up. Quit telling your friends how it's never going to work out. Come on, shake it off. Somebody, shake it off. You need a restoration mentality where you've had this defeated mentality. I'm not busting on you. I understand it. I get it. Look at the scripture. I think this will explain a lot to you. So Moses, Moses comes to tell all of the children of Israel... That God has spoke to him and they are going to be delivered from bondage. This wasn't a week's worth of bondage. This was a lifetime's worth of bondage. These are kids that were born into bondage and had cruel taskmasters. And Pharaoh was not an easy Pharaoh. So Moses spoke to the Israelites in Exodus chapter 6. Moses reported this deliverance possibility to the Israelites But they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and cruel bondage. Now, I'm not going to bust on you right now. Some of you have been through cruel bondage. Listen, the devil is not nice. He's not just coddling you. He has been cruel. Is that a yes from anyone in the house? Yes. Amen. Amen. He is cruel. You don't want to live in that bondage. But when I get around people who have been in struggle for a long time and I begin to tell them of the good things of God and what good, what God would like to do, I can just feel it's like I'm pushing the buttons of hope in their life, but they've been under such cruel bondage. It's kind of like in our nation right now. If I come out and I say, look, God wants to heal people. God wants to deliver people. That God wants to break some of the bondage and the mess that's been going on in our nation. People look at me and say, I don't know about this. We need another way. We need a somebody else that can do this. Listen, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord your God. There, Listen, there's no Congress. There's no president. There's no one that can deliver you except for the Lord Jesus Christ. No one. We need Jesus. And I understand your pain because when you've been in bondage for generations, when your parents were in bondage and your grandparents were in bondage and now you are in bondage and somebody says God wants to restore you and make the latter better than the former in your life. When they say that, you just look at them and say, I don't know. You know, you just some of those religious folk trying to tell me how to live. I don't need that in my life. If you're not careful. You will let negative thoughts fester in your heart for so long that even when I tell you restoration is a possibility, you will not believe it because of the battle that's going on in your head. I, I remember one moment in my life several years ago, the battle that I was going through was so intense. It was so intense. And it had just robbed me of so much. It had robbed me of sleep for a long time. It had, and, and the answers that I wanted were not... The answers that I was hearing, and I, it looked as though I was going to lose, we were going to lose everything, and, and I, so, you know, you, I did what you do when you think you're going to lose everything. I took my wife to dinner, and uh, <laughs> losing everything anyway, you know, thought I'd just look over at her and look at, and, and tell her how I was feeling in my heart, because uh, I'd had a meeting, and looked like I was going to lose everything, and I looked 
across the table. I remember the restaurant I was in. I don't even like that restaurant too much. I think I've been there twice in my life. But uh, looked across at her and looked into her beautiful brown eyes. Wow. Okay, service is over. No, anyway. I said, baby, I don't know how to say it, but, but uh, we could lose everything. It's not looking good. And she smiled at me, looked at me and comforted me. She said, you know, we started in a one-bedroom, tiny little apartment in Zeno, Ohio that was filled with cockroaches. As long as we've got each other, we're going to be all right. And said, shut up and listen to me, woman. No, I, I did not. I didn't say that. I didn't, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I felt humbled. And I felt love. I'm a man of God's word. Look at me. I don't know what they told you, but I do know what God's word says. Do you hear me? There is a theme in God's word. Mary knew the theme. The theme of the nation of Israel is deliverance. The theme of Israel is restoration. We fall, but we get up stronger than when we fell. We trust in the Lord. We trust in the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We believe the same God who set us free from slavery, who will get us across the Red Sea, and the same God that got us across the Red Sea will get us through the wilderness. The same God that fed us with manna will also get us all the way to the Jordan. The same God that got us through the wilderness will part the Jordan. The same God that got us through the Jordan will also defeat Jericho. And the same God will give us the nation. Listen, there's still a nation. It's a theme of God's word. Deuteronomy 31 and 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Or Isaiah 43. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in your wilderness and streams in your wasteland. And one of my favorites, Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. God will work things out that you don't even expect. You say, well, how can I, how can I participate in my own restoration? How do I do that? Get in agreement with him. Whatever God says, I believe. I believe God's word. So, but did you read the paper? I don't, there used a newspaper, people used to read it. Did you re- watch the news? Did you, did you see the news feed on your phone? Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, but let every other man be a liar and let God be true. Do you receive that? God's word is true. It doesn't matter who disagrees with it, God's word is true. Say this, I'm going to get through this. Say it, I'm going to get through this. Shout, I have hope. Shout it, nothing is impossible with God. Shout it, nothing is impossible with God. Okay, I got it. Let me finish. Somebody play some music. and I don't know why music, music sometimes makes me go longer. I don't know, but this is good. Somebody praise God for his word today. Praise God. 
Listen, there's a story about one of the great prophets, Elisha. Anybody remember Elisha? He was the one who came after Elijah. And uh, I love Elisha. Elisha saw Elijah taken up in a whirlwind. God took him. And then Elijah threw his mantle down. And Elisha picked it up. And he slapped the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the waters parted. Waters part a lot in the Word of God. You know, just well spring up, waters part, water comes out of rocks. It's so cool. I love the Bible. So, Elisha, one of his great stories was told. Um, Elisha traveled as a prophet and there was a family that they don't even give her name she we know her as the shunammite woman shunammite that's kind of cool isn't it who are you i'm the shunammite shunammite woman and she had this she had a home she and her husband they had no children and the bible says that uh, they loved elijah elisha and Elisha was constantly traveling, and they said, look, anytime you're in our neighborhood, would you stay at our house? We'll actually build a room onto the house so that anytime you're there, you'll have a place to stay. Now, some people don't want a prophet living in their house. Because you know why you're a prophet? Because you speak the word of God. Right? See, he speaks the word of God. So Elisha comes into the house and he's just so blessed and notices there's something that this family longs for. They provided house and food for him. And so he provided a blessing. He walked up to them and he said, listen, you've been barren. But by this time next year, you're going to have a baby in your arms. Could you imagine that, that lady when she heard that? Could you imagine the tears of rejoicing? What? She had already she knew Elisha was not a liar. She knew that he spoke the word of God and walked in power. A year later, the baby's born. They're celebrating, and Elisha's out doing business, and the child is growing up, and you know, running around, just this wonderful little boy, and and uh, something happened to the child, and the child was dying and died. And the the lady just sent word to the prophet. And Elisha runs back and goes up to the child's room and raises the child up from the dead. Now, some people say, what? Don't you get my hopes up right now? Listen, just so you understand, we're believers in Jesus. We're not afraid of death because we're already alive eternally. Does anybody believe that? I am alive eternally. So even when somebody in Christ dies, they're still alive. That's what Jesus said when Lazarus died. Even even if you're dead, you're still alive because I am the resurrection in Christ. Once you're in Christ, you're alive. Physical body might lay down, but this was before the time of Christ. This was before Christ died and rose again. Elisha walks in, raises this child from the dead. What rejoicing. I mean, what power. Not only will God give you a child, but he'll raise that child from the dead. Listen to you preacher right now. God is not finished in your family. And then, you know, uh, sometime later, Elisha came and told them, you need to leave 
you need to leave the country. You need to get out of the country because God is bringing a plague upon us. For seven years, there's going to be famine and you would do well to get out of here because you're not going to be able to grow anything right now. So just lock up your house and leave and come back after that time. So they locked up and they moved out. And uh, while God was doing this, how many know God will do things in a nation? Anybody know that? Some people think, well, it's just a pandemic. I'm saying God's doing stuff. How many believe God's doing stuff? Anybody believe that? So, so uh, the years pass by and they're ready to come home. They come all the way back to that home where they built a room for Elisha to stay in. And when they get there, somebody else has moved into their house and taken over their land. And they knock on the door and they say, hey, uh, you need to get out of our house. And they said, no, this is our land now. You left it. It's ours. Gehazi is the servant of Elisha. One day the king called Gehazi to visit with him. He said, I would just love to know some of the stories of Elisha. And Gehazi's standing there talking and he's starting to tell these stories. And uh, he's standing there talking and guess who shows up? This woman, the Shunammite woman, just walks Walks in, walks into the council because she had said, I'm going to go talk to the king about my loss of land, my loss of my house. Walks into the door. And when she walks in, Gehazi is just standing there talking to the king. And he says, it's on his lips. There was this one woman that was barren and Elijah spoke to her and she had a child. And then the child died. And then the child, and then Elijah came by and raised the baby back to life. And the king says, that can't be really. I'd like to meet this woman. And the woman walks right in the door. Looks at the king and says, I've come by to ask you about my land. Somebody's living in my house. And he said, what? Somebody's living in your house? You're the woman of Elisha? Yeah, I'm the woman. He said, not only do you get your house back, but you get your land back. And all the crops and everything that's been taken back, I'm going to give that back to you. I'm going to restore to you more than you ever had. I believe that's the kind of God that we serve. And I believe those things still happen today. It's the story of my life. Anybody else got this story? Being in the right place at the right time. Anybody else got that story? You say, I got the wrong place at the wrong time. Look, I was talking about Diana a moment ago. The reason I'm married to her is I was in the right place at the right time. I didn't even know her. I remembered her father. I remembered her father because we used to go, my brothers and I, we used to have this little band. We'd travel and sing, and we were singing once in a camp meeting. I was like 12, 13 years old. I used to play the drums and, and sing with my brothers, and we were invited to sing on youth day. So, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of people, but I remember seeing Paul Davis. I didn't know his name. I just remember seeing him. I remember seeing him. He was always there, good, godly man. He just stood out in my mind. We, we were living in this little town where my dad was pastoring the church. My dad said, my dad and my mom, they decided, we need to move our family out of this town. Though there's been a lot of ministries done here, I need to move my family out of this town. He was concerned about the negative influences upon his children. It had just overwhelmed him. And the Lord had spoke to him, you need to move your family out of the town. So they moved us to this little town in Richmondale, Ohio. 
And guess who the Sunday school superintendent of that church was? Diana's daddy. And guess who recognized me? She had seen me sometime before standing on a platform singing. And she still, I don't know if she was like a groupie or something like that, but she just, she remembered me. But listen, she wasn't my girlfriend then. I mean, we were all too young. I mean, I was just a freshman in high school and she's a couple years younger than I am, or maybe 20 or 30 years younger, whatever you say, dear. But, but she saw me and I saw her. And then the first thing that we ever did together was we sang. Christmas program, there was a particular song that they needed saying. And then the first time I knew that she was the one, we were out doing ministry at a VA hospital at a Christmas time. And we were just walking from room to room singing to people. And we were standing in the elevator and I looked at her and she looked at me and I said, that's it. I'm done. And you might say, well, that's just a cute love story. No, that's the Lord arranging things in your life. That's the Lord giving restoration. Listen, listen. I was an abused child. As a boy, I had been abused by someone. I needed to get out of that area. My father never knew. He never knew until just a few years ago. But God had a plan for my life. Do you hear what I'm telling you right now? And you might say, well, pastor, how can you say that God is good? Because God has used the wounds of my life to speak healing in so many people. Not only has he delivered me, but I get to speak to you and say, God will take your wounds and he'll take your abuse and he'll give you more than you've ever had. He'll heal you in ways that you could never imagine being healed. He'll take your brokenness. He'll turn your sorrow into joy. God is a restorer. You need to change your mentality. I am blessed. Somebody shout it. I'm blessed. Somebody shout it. No, shout it loud. You're blessed. Shout it with all your mind. I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. God has a plan for my life. Stand with me. Stand with me. I'm too anointed to stop preaching today. I am. I just. He who began a good work in you is able to complete it. No matter who tells you that it can't be done, God says, with man, I agree. It's impossible. But God has a way of ordering steps. You move here and you move here. God has a way of giving you favor when man wasn't even planning to give you favor. If everyone is against you because God is for you, you are a majority. Now, I don't know. Does that change your vision for the future? Some of you were thinking, well, this is, this is what I expect. How many know God has larger expectations? Anybody know that? He has greater expectations. More, yeah, unbelievable. Ephesians 3, more than you can ever ask or think. Unbelievable. You should expect God to do things that you don't believe are possible. That's when you know you're walking in faith. Not when you see a path. Not when you see a perfect way. But when you trust Him.
Come on, say it again. With God, nothing is impossible. Would you read Psalm 66 and 12 with me? We went through fire and flood, but you brought us to a place of great abundance. Now, how does that ring to you now compared to when we read it the first time? Read it again. We went through fire and flood, but you brought us to a place of great abundance. Jesus. Come on, let's love on him together. Before Jesus died and went, before he went to the cross, he knew that his apostles, his disciples, were going to go through hardship. And because they were going to go through hardship, in fact, he said this. Hear me, Christians, hear this. All those who walk in righteousness, live godly lives, all of those will suffer persecution. What? I remember saying that once and some guy jumped up in church and said, no, we're not going to. They all suffer persecution. Praise God. There are people that will die for his faith. Did you know that? What? Yeah. But here's what he, here's what he says. I want you to know whatever you're going through, that I'm going through it with you. So this, what we're doing right now, you think it's just a cute little piece of bread and a cup. And I'm telling you that it was the Lord's work for individuals that were going to die. All save John the Beloved would be persecuted and killed for their faith. But he said, I'm going to go with you through everything. Because death for them was even restoration. So he said, I want you to know you're not alone. I'm going to go with you. And so he gave them a piece of bread. And he said, I want you to receive this. Whenever you get together, receive this. This bread is my body. My body is with you. My body. I am with you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. Take it. And then he took the cup. And he said, this is the, this cup is my blood, the blood of the new covenant that is poured out for you. Take and drink it. Take and receive it and remember me. Father, we thank you for your word today and we thank you for what you have done. We thank you, Lord, for your peace and for your grace. You are good. You are good. You are good. And you are right here with me. And so in the name of Jesus... I come against all the works of the enemy. I come against his lies. I come against the way that he has whispered into the minds of God's people. I come against it in the precious name of Jesus. And I say in Jesus' name, and I speak to spirits of darkness, and I say, take your hands off of God's people. To those that are afraid, to those who have lost their hope, Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak hope right into their minds in Jesus' name. I come against every heart wound, every affliction, and I say in Jesus' name, be whole, be well. Know that God is going to complete the work that he began. He is not finished. Speak, Holy Spirit. Speak now. Speak into the lives of your people in the name of Jesus. Amen. Some prayer workers are going to come over here to my right, and they will meet you here. If you want somebody to pray with you regarding whatever you're going through, 
regarding your need for salvation, your need for healing, someone will come and meet you here at the front, here to my right, and pray with you. Look to me for a moment. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. I love you all dearly. I love you dearly. Receive the peace, the hope of Christ. And those of you who want to come in for prayer, feel free to come forward now and someone will meet with you. We're going to sing for a moment. Just for a moment. Let's wait for a moment while people come. God bless you all. I love you so much. Thank you for joining us online. I love you, my online family. The Lord bless you. I love you. Sing. Would you sing? God bless you all. You'd be dismissed when you choose. Go in peace. Please come forward for prayer as you need prayer.